0: Howdy legends and welcome back to another episode of the Cam and George podcast. If you're a first time listener, thank you for joining us today. We hope you find some inspiration, motivation, entertainment and of course some practical knowledge to apply in your own lives after listening to our podcast. And if you enjoy the content today, head over to our Instagram page at Cam and George for more information about our podcast, any upcoming episodes and see Geordie and I's journey through our holistic life. Amongst the people we interview, the holistic areas we focus on on our podcast are physical health, mental health, emotional health,
1: spiritual health, social health, and business health. Cam and I believe a harmonious balance between these six pillars will create a successful and enjoyable life. During the podcast, we'll take a deep dive into focal points for you to take action on and begin to work on your balance. Our interviewees will give real life experiences on physical fitness, nutrition and diet habits, the importance of sleep, a variety of meditation techniques, breaking down your goals and achieving them, positive self-talk, mindfulness, your values and purpose, your connection and faith, the importance of prayer, your love life, your friends and family, networking and the role it plays, work-life balance, enjoying your work and how to follow your passion and organisation from day to day. As you begin to implement these strategies, we would love to act as your support network.
0: Please share your wins, losses and learnings on Instagram and tag us so we can encourage you on your holistic journey.
1: And of course, if you're a veteran listener to the and Job Podcast, we thank you for your continual support. We love hearing about your journey and application on achieving a more holistic life. We love growing the Cam and Jord community and we thank you for being a part of growing the awareness in holistic health. Now let's get into it and introduce today's guest.
0: Today's Cam and Jord episode features business guru, Jeffrey Sutton. Jeff is the director owner of IUM, independent unit management, a billion dollar strata company.
1: Jeff grew up in Penrith, raised in an everyday Western Sydney household, through his family, Jeff starts to grow a passion for business and sets on the path that hard work will gain opportunity down the track. Under his father's tutelage, Jeff gains a great understanding of what it takes to be successful in the business realm.
0: Jeff gives us valuable insight and lessons into his life journey that has got him to where he is today. It delves into topics such as how to network and develop relationships, advantages of following your passion, never underestimate who you meet, how to prioritise to create balance in your lifestyle, how opening doors can lead to opportunities down the track and the importance of gratitude.
1: IUM is the major sponsor of MyPeak and we are beyond excited to further develop the relationship of this partnership going forward. Together, IUM and MyPeak are looking to revolutionise the athlete development space within the modern landscape of pre-elite sport. Please join
0: us as we gain an understanding into Jeff's life and how he got to where he is today.
1: Howdy, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cam and Jordan podcast. Today, we're sitting down with uh, Jeffrey Sutton, um, independent unit management director, owner, and operations manager of Wattle Farm Borders, and of course, the My Peak sponsor. Jeffrey, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, it's nice to be here, Jordan, and thank you very much, Cam, for inviting me to
1: do so. Uh, Jeff, uh, just to start and, and give the listeners a bit of a, an understanding of sort of who you are and where you've come from. We'd love to get a bit of a background on you sort of starting from your earlier years, you know, where you grew up and um, what home w- was like for you and, and what sort of a, maybe a standard day in the 10 or 12-year-old life of, of Jeff Sutton.
2: Well, we were no different to any other kid that was living out in Cambridge Park in near Penrith. And uh, my father had a, had a job with the Attorney, attorney General's Department. Uh, my mother in those days, like most of those ladies of that era, stayed at home mm. and um, so you know we went to school in a public school, my sister and I and uh, you know we just lived a, a normal life. Um, you know, we weren't affluent people. Uh, we didn't have money, uh, we didn't come from money. we, we weren't people that uh, had had enormous things. in those days you asked me about when I was 12 years old you know in those days in the, in the late 70s when I was 12 years old, uh, people were lucky to have one car. Mm. Now now you see three or four lined up outside a person's house. Mm. So we had one car and we did the best with what we had and we caught a bus or a train or whatever and we played in the park over the over the road and there was no computers in those days. Mm. And we just enjoyed the fellowship of the people and that we had around us. Other kids that were prepared to play a bit of tennis tennis on the road or cricket. Uh, out there in the park, mm. or ride the ride your bike, or, or you know have a billy cart, whatever it was, whatever whatever we could find, <laughs> have a bit of fun. You know that was the way it was.
1: Do you think? And I suppose we could set the scene a little bit for the listeners here. Like we're obviously at Jeff's house, which is out in Cobdeny, on uh, five acres here. Do you think your sort of childhood maybe inspired you to maybe allow the kids to grow up in a similar way outside? you know, amongst the community. Like, it's not like we're in a townhouse here where kids are stuck on their laptops.
2: No, no. and uh, look, my wife, Diane, who is uh, one of the people I look up to the most in my life, she she did, in fact, live in that environment at, at, at a home unit in Station Road, Auburn. She knew what that was like. I didn't. I lived in a three-bedroom home at Cambridge Park mm. uh, with my sister and mum and dad. And, and uh, from the early times my father always had a commitment to save your save your money mm. he was always that way my father was a, a typical liberal supporter uh he, he he was a capitalist at heart my father he belongs st- st- strongly in the in the liberal beliefs that if you had a go you're entitled to earn 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 well mm. and uh and if you put in you, you got out mm. and um That was the view he had, and he inspired me to do the same. That was not to waste my money. Mm. So from the time that I left school, and from even before that, uh, he we knew the value of a dollar. Sure. And uh, that's still the case today. We know we know what what buys, (laughs) what we can buy, what we can't buy. And he was in those times, my father was dead set against credit cards. (laughs) Credit cards were those things that were in the late 80s, early sorry, the early early to, to late late 70s late late 70s early 80s credit cards were just coming on the scene mm. now, everyone's got two or three credit cards in their pocket now mm. but in those days uh, my father was uh, he was dead against that if you couldn't if you couldn't afford to buy it you didn't buy it mm. but he inspired us he he worked hard my father worked extremely hard he pulled out of the attorney general's department where he was both a chamber magistrate and a magistrate i remember years ago wandering down the, with him with him on a Saturday and Sunday morning to the courthouses at Penrith in the old days, and he'd be uh, he'd have to sign the drunks out that were locked <laughs> up overnight. Mm. You know, my sister and I would be running up the dock and through the cells and things, and it was just fun. It was a fun thing to do, but mm. at the end of the day, my dad decided that the public service wasn't for him, and he decided to go out and try something different. Mm. And uh, from one decision, I don't know how many lives that's affected. Mm-hmm. You know, he went into an area of, of strata management in the late 70s, early 80s, and today, where we sit here amongst you guys today, uh, you, know, you can see the sort of things that uh, we've reaped mm. because of uh, one man's decision to go go a particular way in his life.
1: Absolutely.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm very interested, uh, sort of your education, what did you do coming through school, and then what did you do when you come out of school?
2: Well, um... I was no different, Ken. Probably to you and Geordie. I um, I left Cambridge Park High School. Mm.
0: Yeah, nice.
2: So that's where I was. I left there in nineteen eighty five, and I was sixth in that form. Mm. Uh, So I was accepted into um, an an economics degree at Sydney, Mm. um, which I chose not to accept. But I, I. I was, I was very much my, my father's son. Mm. I was chasing the dollar. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's probably no different now. I, um, he, he he said that I could go off to uni. Uh, I had the marks to do it, mm. I had the brains to do it. Mm. But I he, he, he asked me would I like to mow some lawns for him. Mm. And these strata plans uh, all over that he managed. So I started mowing grass. Wow. And uh, he said, and, and of course, uh, I went all over Sydney mowing these blocks of units for him. And I was doing that for a couple of years with him. Uh, he was feeding me work. Mm. Um, but it was just, that was the opportunity. And from there, he asked me to come into the office. He was expanding all the time. He, the business was growing. Mum was working in the business by then. He had a couple of other staff. We had a little office at Arthur Street, Cabramatta. Mm. And then he decided that. Uh, it was, it might be time for me to come in there and give him a bit of a hand, and he offered to do so. So I, I accepted that. And, you know, we're a very tight family, mm. we always have been. I don't think uh, success is one man's only achievement. Mm. Uh, you know, my, my father might have started with the idea, but uh, the underpinning of that idea was, was clearly something that we took forward. Mum took it forward, Sandra and my sister took it forward, and uh, I took it forward. Mm. And um, that's been wonderful.
0: Yeah, awesome. So you sort of learnt most of your lessons on the job, I suppose, through your family. Yeah, my
2: father My father had a couple of decent st- sayings uh, that, that have always kept me fundamentally and morally mm. um, tuned in the right area. Mm. That, that, w- that was, firstly, you'd always say it's, it, it's not the same unless you're in the hot seat. You mm. don't know what it's like until you're in the hot seat. Mm. It's like you captaining Penrith Cam. I wouldn't know what that was like. I know what day-to-day functions I can do in my office, but I wouldn't like to. Know, I wouldn't like to be put in your position out there, you know, out, out there in the heat of battle, mm-hmm. because I wouldn't know enough. So, yeah, you always had that. You, you really have to back off being critical of people unless you're in the hot seat. Yeah. That was the one thing. The other thing he said to me years ago: "Save your money," as I've just mentioned to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was. If you do the right thing, you've got nothing to fear. Mm, mm. Number one. My father wasn't an overly religious person. Not anywhere near as religious as I am. And mm. my mother is. And uh, this family is. Mm. We we strongly believe in the integrity of the church, the mm. church, and what it stands for. Um, but he had certain values that, you know, you did the right thing. Yeah. You yeah. did the right thing. You didn't hurt anyone. And nothing was going to come back and bite you.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting Jeff and you spoke about it's very much like starting from the bottom now you hear like mowing grasses yeah. to obviously being the director now of the company do you think that your progression through the company when your father was around was predominantly drew uh, like because of your relationship or did he see things in you that he knew that you were the right man for the job
2: no uh, when my sister and I went to work for my father uh, my sister had the role of receiving all the money that came into the office receding the the money's coming in and i had about 300 checkbooks uh, lined up along the along the wall and i used to pay everyone so mm. all the people that used to work in these strata plants whether whether we were paying insurance companies or cleaners or plumbers or jet rockers or carpet layers or whatever my job was a dead set juniors job mm. Mm. and uh, that that's why 35 36 years down the track i know how that business works intimately mm. because i used to do all the junior work some people get catapulted into a family business because of who they are, not what they can do. Mm. That's a big mistake. Mm. And uh, we started at the bottom, and it took us a long time. I know my father didn't release the reins, really, to me, until well, I went there in 85, at the end of 85, 86. Um, my dad was still operating there as the licensee until 2011. Oh, wow. My father was one person that distrusted most people Mm -hmm. he'd seen a lot in his life as a magistrate he'd seen a lot in his life as a coroner he'd investigated people's deaths and 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 a lot of that comes back to basically distrusting everyone until you can prove yourself Wow, and uh, that includes me and Cindy
0: yeah yeah wow so you said you start at the bottom what was the sort of the natural progression to get to where you are now what what jobs did you sort of do through the company and what did it sort of look like
2: well, it was only a little office cam. It was it was a little office. Uh, you know, one of the major innovations we had in the late 80s is we actually got an air conditioner. In the <laughs> office. This was under a steel roof in a little pokey office at Cabramatta that Dad and Mum had. They both had a desk. First desk, first desk I ever had was a door placed on placed on history boxes. That was my desk. Wow. And that's what that's what we had to work with. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, Eventually, I got a desk, and you know, years and years and years later, I got a computer. We had one computer in the whole place, not like <laughs> today, everyone's got a computer yeah. on their wrist. That's yeah, it, yeah. Everyone, that's right. Everyone, it was one computer for the whole joint. Yeah, it's incredible. But yeah, look, we, we just progressed, and um, I think it wasn't before, I think it took about 10 years before I knew enough to be able to really manage strata plants, sure. Yeah. Right. yeah, really manage a property. Mm. So that included. You know, talking to the right people, learning how to talk to people, mm. um, learning how to listen mm. to what the people. You see, as the agent, whether it's a strata managing agent or a real estate agent, you have responsibilities to the principal, and the principal are those people that pay you to do a job, and do it in a lawful way, and make sure everything's right and looked after in their best interest. And and that's what that's what we continue to do today. That's why the business is is as successful as it is because. Mm. We listen to what's required, and we also make sure that we do things within the law. Mm. But it does take time for people to get to be mature enough to have a conversation with other people, mm. listen to them. One thing that I was taught by a mentor of mine was, and this wasn't my father, this was someone else, listen to the words someone says to you intently mm. if no one else listens to this podcast if they do the one thing i'd like them to get out of it is listen to the words that people say it's in the words if they're saying something to you listen to how they communicate that word those words and how important it is because you often can get around people in an in this in an argument mm. uh, and in a, in a heated discussion or whatever if you can if you can work out what they're really saying to you
0: sure yeah that's it's in a- the words it's a great point. I read a book not long ago, and they mentioned like you hear a lot of people saying, ask plenty of questions. But you see people ask questions, but you also have to be prepared to listen to the answers. And asking the right questions to the right people is important. But being able to absorb that information and, like you said, listening to the words is so important.
2: Well, I'm on a number of different boards, and. Um, um, one thing that you learn when you're on, on board board of directors is you if you've got a number of different personalities mm. all of them think differently mm. you're supposed to be there for the purpose of the of the organization mm. not yourself that's so true and you need to understand where you know what people are saying and you need to pick your time you need to pick your time when to say something and how to say it and to who and uh, you need to have some idea of how it's going to go down with them mm. are they going to fire up? Are they going to accept what you're saying as reasonable or are they going to be, uh, you know, are they going to be upset by it? Mm.
1: Mm. Um, Maybe before we move on, I really want to touch base on the farming and agriculture side of things too. Do you just want to give people um, a little bit of an understanding of, maybe where the company's at now, like how many um, um, you know units you guys might manage, how many staff you might have, just to give them an idea on how big yeah, the company well, is. Yeah, well, independent
2: whole. unit management's got a staff of 20 people, including the family. And um, that, that operates out of George Street, Liverpool. And it's, it's, a, it's a, obviously a, a family-based company. Mm. Uh, my sister no longer is involved in there, but only recently decided to go and do something else after a long period of time in the business. And um, it it was decided here a couple of years ago that the, the, the succession was the right move. Mm. So I just, Dad offered it to me and I decided I'd buy the thing mm. and uh, move on with it. But yeah, look, it, it's got, uh, I got 20 staff. We managed uh, over 7,000 units wow. wow, in total in Sydney. And... Um, yeah, we continue to try to look after those strata plans. We've got those managements from Morissette in the north um, to Kiama in the south mm. to Narrow Mine in the west mm. um, and everywhere in between. You know, the digital age is allowing us to have meetings with people by way of Zoom and communicate very easily. We don't need mm. to go to these properties all that often mm. um, unless we need to inspect things for the owners. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful place. We make sure that the culture's right yeah. and that people want to come to work. You know, when I said to the staff a couple of weeks ago, right, we're going back to work, all of them said, yeah, can we come tomorrow? Well, I couldn't come tomorrow because so I had to change all all the things around to get the remote connections dropped off the telephones and everything else. But mm. they were keen to come back.
1: Yeah. You spoke about the culture there, Jeff. How much of that culture have you brought in maybe something different to what your father operated under, or is it similar?
2: Uh, no doubt about that. My father was... Uh, my my father uh, came from a culture in those days where uh, it didn't matter how you told someone to do th- do something. Yeah. They did it, you know. Yeah. And my father was a, a tough man. Um, he expected it done, and expected it done his way. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I'm a bit different to that. I'm t- I'm, I probably... Uh, I'm more, lean, I'm more lean towards the fact that I ask someone to do it and explain why I want it done. Sure, yeah. Um, I think in the digital age, all the paper that used to be spread around the office in history boxes and mm. our filing cabinets, you know, you come into our offices, you too will, you'll find that there's not much paper there anymore. Mm. Whereas I used to have, we used to have uh, the whole place decked out in paper. Mm. It, it's, it's one of those industries that you couldn't get away from it. But no we we handle things a different way um but by the same token my father was by the book Mm. if you go by the book you don't get if you go by the legislation and the law the same as driving a car jordan you're going to get you're going to get knocked over at some stage for speeding if you do if you're constantly doing it Mm. your luck will run out Mm. well in this game compliance is an ever ever influencing factor Mm. and it is with most businesses whether it's cricketing or whether it's strata management or otherwise compliant you've got to be compliant with the law yeah there's nothing else you can do
1: Mm. i'm interested to know like i can see from our relationship there's a lot of uh, like compassion in your personality i feel like i know when you're saying your father was a straight shooter and things like that what kind of influence did your mother play on you jeff does that sort of compassionate softer side come from her oh no doubt Mm. yeah
2: no doubt um my father just as
1: i said before
2: being a coroner and investigating a lot of people's deaths in in, in country new south wales in his early days it put him off trusting anyone Mm. he wouldn't tell me anything Mm. even even right up to the day that my father passed away he wouldn't tell he wouldn't tell me how he was feeling wouldn't tell me even though I knew he was on the way out mm. he wouldn't say anything all he said to me was i'm worried about your mother.
3: Mm.
2: That's all it's all he'd say my father uh, he was a tremendously reserved person and, mm. and those people that were burnt, that were born in wartime were generally like that sure. they didn't. Yeah. they didn't trust governments they didn't trust anyone my mother, however, she she was the one that, uh, yeah, she she's the one that's affected my personality. Sure, not affected it, made it better. Yeah, of course, uh, because she's got that softer touch to yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, the as kinder do. touch, the softer touch, the caring touch, mm. like mothers, like most mothers do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I care about you too. I care about Jeffrey. I care. You can see it in me, and I care about my staff. Mm. And uh, you know they they know that. No oh, I think I think you have to have that care factor.
3: Mm.
2: What sort of person are you not being able to care for someone and not being able to be kind to them? Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather be kind than, than, than... And I don't say that I wasn't in some parts of my life. I've probably been fairly tough as well. You have to be at certain times, but you have to pick the times to be tough. Mm. You have to pick the times to, to bring that out in your personality. Um I've, I've found that uh, Mitch has, has been very worthwhile listening to in your in, in, yeah. as part of your series. Mm. Uh, I've learned stuff from him. I've yeah. sat there at my desk down there, as you saw, and I've watched him, mm. and I thought, this guy's right. In the toughest times of your life, like he's had, as I understand, and other people have, we all have tough times.
3: Mm.
2: It's not all but bloody a bed of roses for everyone. <laughs> it's not. The fact of the matter is, things will get tough for you. Hmm. but you must remain uh, balanced and and continue to rely upon the appreciation side of your brain yeah mm-hmm. wow that's
1: really and good that's, advice yeah yeah
2: you've got to do that
0: yeah that's something that I've learned and you've probably been a bit ahead of me Geordie but Mitchy's taught me the exact same thing and you can actually take that into your daily life so much more once you do start to have that appreciation Absolutely. I think
2: I think one thing that I learned there was uh, I combine the appreciation for my spiritual my how I think spiritually, yeah, mm. as you do, mm. you do, mm. <laughs> and, uh, you, uh, and you combine that with the appreciation. Mm. So you combine mm. how you think about uh, and how you go about things in your day to day life because of what you believe, and you also it triggers the appreciation
0: side as mm. well.
3: Mm.
0: Have you had that discussion with young Jeffrey? Young Jeff, does he? I'm, how did he take in the stuff on? that sort of stuff some of it was above him yeah, because
2: he's only only nine years of age Um, but he did understand he you see he's got he's got a bit of a problem that he and not a problem but a lot of kids when they believe they fail or believe that they um, don't live up to expectation in their own their own self they they drop their head yeah yeah Um, and, and look it happens in the cricket clubs, it happens at the golf clubs, it happens at the archery <laughs> yeah. clubs, it happens at the pony club. Um, when people don't do as well as they should, they, have, they they tend to drop. But what Mitch came back to me about, and what he's now understanding himself, is that's fine to fail. Yeah. Learn yeah. from it, move on, and appreciate the success next time. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, that's a really good point. This, this question's really going to interest me. Jeff, on the podcast, we get our guests to sort of answer where their, I suppose their priorities lie around physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual, and business health. Um, I'd really like to know if, if there's a, a, a certain few that you rank higher than others, or if you have a distinct sort of, of list the way you sort of prioritise those areas.
2: You better make sure that I remember everything you said there. I can, <laughs> well, I can help you out as yeah, you go. Yeah, why, why don't we? Uh, I think spiritually is is, is my number one. Mm. We're not here forever. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, I, I've got certain views about that. Christian, con, you know, consolidated views in my mind. Mm. Um, and so it's not only that, I mean, we don't rely just upon God mm. in the worst times. Mm. We have to remember that he's there in the good times too. Totally. And, you know, let God be God, as they say. And mm. I'm not trying to preach it to anyone that might be listening to it. They might not want to hear that but the fact of the matter is god is god and we just deal with god the way the cards the cards are dealt with us i think spiritually would be number one there's no doubt about that mm. because i think that uh you believe if you haven't got hope and you haven't got faith you got nothing mm.
1: is that something that you've sort of leant back on in tough times either yes. in business or family how yes. how often are you in communication with with god or or your higher power? Every day.
2: Mm. Every day,
1: um, I don't just—I
2: just don't uh, communicate uh, with the Lord uh, when things are tough. Mm. I don't think that's respectful at all. Mm. Uh, I, I communicate every day, and I'm very thankful. I mean, I—I I, one of the first things I do is I get into bed and I pray, mm. you know, before I go to sleep. I we 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 around the table are very thankful. Mm. We. Um, uh, Always grateful, and everyone around our dining table of a night gets a chance to to um, pray for what they're about to receive. Mm, that's lovely. So that happens here. Mm. Um, you know, when as, as a kid, I used to laugh when my grandfather used to do that. I thought, Oh, what's he doing?
3: That yeah. yeah.
2: But until you work, or until you mature a bit and wake up, that you know all these good things that we've got here in our life, mm. the things we're sitting in today, and other people, they're not just because, they're not just hard work. They're potentially they they generational gifts. Yes. Yeah. From what people have given us, but now I would pray to God once a, once a day, minimum. Mm. So, and, and it affects my business relationship too, of course. Because I think if your I think if your integrity is solid, mm. um, with regard to doing the right thing. Not just what the legislation says, but the right thing by yourself and everyone else. And then you're on a good platform to continue to succeed.
1: I suppose maybe the other one I want to touch on is um, you obviously are such a family man. Um, how do you sort of balance the time between your business and giving your family what it needs as well?
2: My health suffered here about five years ago. I had about an ammonia that there was a significant issue for my health. Um, following that, I tended to not work as hard as I, not work in the office as hard as I was working. Sure. Uh, I was diagnosed with pneumonia down at Warrnambool on holidays, and, and uh, I said, "Right, you're going to the hospital. You're going home." And then not long after that, after I got over that, I went downhill again, and I had the same problem. I was just busting myself. I was trying to run the business at Liverpool Independent Management. And I was trying to keep the thing running at the farm, which is a stud sheep operation. Mm. And I was I was running minimum at times eight hundred k's a week, going backwards and forwards to the farm. I was seeing very little of the family, and my health was going backwards. Mm. And I decided I'd had enough of that. And I, you know, I was basically told that if I was going to continue in that life, in, in that same
1: hectic okay. pace, yeah. Yeah. that
2: I wouldn't be around for too long. Okay. So I decided from there on, and that's why you see me so often, Geordie, with Geoffrey and the kids, is that uh, I'll leave work at 2 o'clock. I'll wake up at 5.30 of the morning. I'll start my work on the computer. I'll build away till 7.30, get dressed, have a shower, drop the kids to school, go into Liverpool, make sure that all the problems of the world in there are being handled. And if they're not, we, we all get in and handle. Mm. And um, and then I'll come, back. I'll come back at 2 or 3 o'clock, pick them up, Taken to cricket, taken to gymnastics, and uh, you see, my father was quite the opposite. His view was that you should be at work, mm-hmm. and that was the, that was just a generational thing. The man worked, the woman stayed at home. Mm. Not like that anymore. Mm. I've got the I've got the opportunity because of technology to do a lot of my work here at home. Like sure. mm. and mm. I'm close enough to be able to help all my staff. But look, the business is only as good as the staff in it. Mm. Same as your cricket academy, you know, it's only as good as you blokes are. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, you see the success of the Jeffreys and other people and all these other, Riley Kingsles and all these other blokes coming along and all the other fellas fellas and girls you've got there. You just, you know, you rise when you see their improvement. Well, same for the business. Mm. But uh, it's not easy. Life's not meant to be easy. No. But but I do think that uh, you've got to strike that balance. You got to have a bit more of a home life than you once did as a father, uh, and yeah, and that's what I've tried to do. I, because my dad was never home. He was never home. He, you know, I used to go. We, we, my mother'd pack us in the car on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, I'd either be playing golf at Penrith Golf Club out there in the juniors <laughs> or at the cadets or whatever it was in those days. I'd be belting it around there. And you blokes have played there plenty of times, <laughs> yeah, with Jonathan Green out there and. Yeah, you know, Graham Abbott before him and these sort of bloke. so I was I was there too, and you know, it was it was good times. But you know, my mum would pick us up, and say, I'd say, where's Dad?" And Dad was at Cabramatta. And we'd go over to Cabramatta from Penrith. That's a fair drive, yeah, yeah straight along Memory Road and up a little <laughs> drive. And sure enough, we'd get over there, and Dad'd have the Financial Review or well, the Sydney Morning Herald everywhere. Wow. And, and I say to my mother, "Why is Dad here? He's not doing anything." Mm. It's his place. Mm-hmm. He liked to be at work. Yeah. My father loved to be at work, whether he was actually doing any work mm. or he just loved to be there. That was what he liked. Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Or Sunday. Mm. That was the way it was. That's incredible. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. So basically, like to summarise that, it's just like over time you've learned to prioritise the important things in life and working out how to balance those priorities. You got to,
2: because if you don't, your health goes backwards. Yeah. Mm. You know. And uh, and that's what was happening to me. My physical health was was falling away. Yeah. And uh, and I've only got a young family. I'm 54 years of age this year, and my family's only a young family. They're all under 15 years, 15, 16 years of age. And I wasn't prepared to, to uh, sacrifice letting seeing them grow up mm. because I was too crook to
1: be around or wasn't going yeah. to be around. Yeah. Mm. This um, yeah, that part of the conversation there is ideally exactly why. Cam and I sit down with guys like you, Jeff, to talk about um, these important areas of health because, you know, someone who's obviously running a successful business and um, doing all these kinds of things, if your physical health's not in check or your social health's not in check with your family, it can all be gone before you know it. So, yeah, that was really good.
2: No, it is a worry. Look, you don't realise it when you're in the hustle and bustle of it all. Mm. You blokes don't realise it yourselves. You're going hard. Mm. You know, you're, you're running marathons and you, and you, you know, you're running around the block and doing all these things for your health. You, you, at some point, it does catch up with you. Mm-hmm. But you have to look after you. You mm. look after two aspects. One is obviously the physical health, but also the mental side of things. Mm-hmm. And your mental side of things takes care of itself if you've got that spirituality and you've got your moral compass
1: set. yeah no that's great that's i suppose really good background on um you know ium and and how you've sort of progressed there i'd love to get a little bit more of an insight on uh the farm and what you guys sort of do there and i suppose where that passion came from i suppose you know growing up uh where you did in penrith it wasn't necessarily a, uh an agricultural town so where did this all start and and where are you now
2: it's a really interesting question that's sort of the he, if you'd asked me that five or six years ago i would have said to you uh, I'll, I'll probably sell up in sydney and 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 go to the bush as quick as i could wow. um Temora is a town in the riverina it's predominantly a wheat and sheep wheat uh, wheat and sheep sort of area flat dry hot place but that was where my father came from mm. and he used to take me down there along with my sister sandra to see my grandparents on a regular basis. And uh, I grew in love with it. I, mm-hmm. I loved it. When I when I married Diane, I said to her, let's go down there and um, buy a, a weekender. Yeah.
3: Yeah, this was
2: before we had the kids. Mm. We'll, we'll buy a weekender. We'll buy a couple of these federate, old Federation houses that were for sale there in the early 2000s. And I could have bought a couple for about 60 grand. Yeah. <laughs> and I... Uh, I have made some stupid decisions and that's one of them. Yeah. them. I, should have, I should have bought a couple. Uh, Diane was dead set for one. We had a couple of big Federation homes. They'd just been let go. Mm. In, the, you know, in good areas in town, and all they needed was a spruce up and rent them out or live in one for the weekend. And with the freeways the way it is now, you can get to Tamora in four hours. Mm. So firstly, I had the link because of the history. I love the place because I've been down there all the time. Um, and... I said to my dad, uh, 2004 it was, um, I think I might go and buy something down there as a weekender. So I had a look at a few blocks of ground and I had a look at these old places that were that needed a bit of love and care. And he said, I'll come down with you. Yeah. Oh, okay, dad. If you want <laughs> yeah. So him and mum got in the car and Diane and I got in the car and we, 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 off we went. And I'd found two places at that stage. I'd found a 200 acre block of ground that I thought might've been all right. It was only a couple hundred thousand. And, um, and then I found a 640 acre block mm. of ground. Anyway, I took my dad out there. I said, what do you think dad? Power to the block, put a house up here, live, on, live, live down here on the weekend, get away from the rat race. Yeah. Because strata management is all about controlling the, and limiting the pressure. You see, it's one of those, it's one of those things uh, where the next call is not going to be, how are you today? It's going to be, solve a problem for me. That's what I pay you for. Of course. Yeah. You know, we've got, we've got a water leak coming through the roof. We've got no power. We've got sewage going through the common area. The grass hasn't been cut for a month. We need new carpet. The place needs painting. We need new gutters. This is the function of the strata manager to maintain what is common to all of those owners in those blocks, and it was getting to me, and I thought, oh, blow it. I'll go out there and we'll buy something out there just to get away from things. Sure. Anyway, my, my father looked at this block, and he said, what about this, um, this other one you've been talking to me about, this 640-acre block? And uh, Gersback was the agent. He was a friend of my father, a school friend of my father. He said, I'll take your reg to have a look at this place that Jeff's had a look at. And we went there and had a look at it. And we looked at the old run-down bloody place. You know, the house with the cottage on it was okay. The sheds were only sort of half there. Um, and he said, "How much do you want for this thing?" <laughs> and he, he looked at me. And anyway, he wanted six hundred and forty dollars an acre, I think.
3: Mm.
2: or something like that Maybe it might have been less mm. anyway it was too good to refuse and that yeah. was what my father's angle was you know what do you want for this dump yeah yeah. Uh, you, know, you know putting it down so that you know what do you this is no this is no bloody good yeah. this place what do you want this for and he said to me we're buying this I yeah. said yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, anyway we left that we left that Sunday came back on the Monday back to Sydney got into the office and he was there waiting for me when I got to my desk that morning and he said we're buying that plush. wow yeah. Got back on the phone, and uh, we made an offer. And he said it's too late, Reg. It's been sold. He said too late, and then and Reg said, "Has it been signed?" Because my father being illegal, yeah, illegal, he knows what's what. No, he said, "Send me a piece of paper. I'll sign it and give you a deposit." They want. I think we paid 500000 for it or something like that, which it sounds a lot of money, but for 640 acres yeah. in the bush, it wasn't a lot of money anyway. No, 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 it's been sold. It's been, so my father kept at him for a couple of hours. Anyway, the piece of paper turned up. He signed the piece of paper, sent him the money, and that was that. Wow. So Dad and I went half share each in it. Mm. So my dad bought this, this whole rundown place. It had two horses on it and about 200 sheep. And uh, we decided that uh, we'd have a... A weekend, or when we could be out in the bush, really with no one. Later, later on, I found that my father knew this property. He didn't tell me this. This is, a, this is this comes back to the man himself not disclosing too much to anyone, even his son. He'd he'd been floating around that area for some time as a child. I spoke to my godfather, John Hyde, the former New South Wales uh, deputy coroner. Mm. As I was saying before. And he said, he's also from Tamora. And I was speaking to him after Dad passed away. He said, he said that, uh, that property of yours, that backs onto the National Park. I said, yeah, part of it does. He said, your father got lost in there about 65 years ago. We had to send a search party in to find him. You're joking. I said, well, he never told me that. So this property that we bought, it backed onto the National Park. Where as a kid, my father got lost in yeah. wandering through the bush, chasing kangaroos or whatever he was doing. Yeah. Uh, there, there was a tie up with him, but he wouldn't tell me that. He never told me that. Right. So anyway, I bought this place. I really found that we found that we had the sheep, but we didn't have any rams. Yeah. So we had, we had 200 merinos running on the place and we didn't have any rams to join with them. Yeah. So I was chasing rams everywhere, and I found I came across this fellow Barry Harper. His name was, and he said, "I haven't got anything for you, but I'll help you in the future if you want a hand." Anyway, I really enjoyed it. I mm. really,
1: really enjoyed the so sheep you've, work. You've learnt this on the run. Yeah. So you bought the farm, yeah. and the sheep were on it. You thought, "Well, yeah. we'll just learn it on the run and see yeah. how we go." Yeah. Wow, that's incredible.
2: Yeah. yeah, I didn't know didn't know anything about farming. My mother was my mother came off two stations. Her grandpa, her her um. Her mother and father owned tabletop and blue knobby stations at Baraba
3: mm.
2: so she and my mother was a country girl wow she went to New England um, girls school in Armadale so she was off she was off the land and she knew what she was looking at far far greater than my father my father was living in town with, in, in in the town of tomorrow so he wasn't off the land either but my mum knew and mum would be out there telling me and showing me things and anyway this Barry Harper came along and and uh, from then on, up to this day, he's actually the, he's actually the um, godfather of Jeffrey. Oh, wow. uh, so Great he's become story. that close. And uh, wow. yeah, you, you, the essence behind what I'm saying to you is you don't know who you're going to meet in your life mm. who can affect your life.
3: Yeah, it's the
2: true. same guy who who I was at, different different. I was out the front of Underwood's jewellery shop at Phillip Street, Parramatta, looking rather nervous. Apparently. <laughs> I was out there looking for an engagement ring for Diane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said, "I wanted to buy the engagement ring from there." <laughs> I was standing there, looking at looking at these engagement rings, and this bloke walks out and he said, "You're right. You look a bit nervous." I said, "Yes, at least, prices, are like, you know And now know why <laughs> that fellow now works for me and has done for almost 20 years. That's incredible.
0: It's a good story. We're on our way over here, Jeff, Geordie yeah. and I were talking about how one afternoon what was it a Wednesday afternoon you brought young Jeff down to Rise Cricket before my peak started and one conversation leads to another now you know your business is sponsoring our business and we're We're here talking and hopefully helping a lot more people out there as well so you really do never know who you're going to meet and what impact they're going to have on your life you you don't Mm. you
2: you don't know when you meet someone Cam what they've done what they can be what you know what effect they're going to have on you and that's exactly the case. And uh, you know, this fella was selling selling engagement rings. Now sitting in the office at Liverpool, working for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, unbelievable. Yeah. He was just working there part time. was an older fella. He's also Jeffrey's godfather. And uh, yeah, really interesting how uh, just by meeting someone, they they uh, they uh, they help you, mm. guide you, mentor you. Mm. Uh, yeah. And and these are two older guys. One's now seventy two. Kevin, who works for me um, in the office, who sold me the engagement rings, and uh, Barry hit Barry Harper, who who runs a Border Leicester stud, and that's mm-hmm. where and that's where the borders come from. Sure. Getting back mm-hmm. to your original question, why did I like the Border Leicesters and why did, why was I involved at Tomorrow? Well, I eventually bought a couple of Rams from Barry Harper, and we started our own stud, and he showed me how to, how it all operated. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So it was re- it was really good, and he he uh, he encouraged me. It's like you encourage the boy to play cricket. Of course You not. know, how to do things right. Mm. If you get someone to show you how to do things properly from the start, it's so much easier. Mm. It is. You know, you don't have to preach and slam it down people's throat. You just offer advice and recommendations and from what you know, and they either adopt them or they don't.
1: Uh, that's, a, I suppose, a really good background on how the farm came about. I suppose for the listeners, Jeff, do you want to sort of tell us where the farm's at now? I know I just watched... Um, the live auction, probably only well, about a month ago now. Um, do you want to tell people sort of the success that the farm operates under each year?
2: We bought the farm at 640 acres, it's now 2,000. Mm. We bought out various blocks around the place, opposite the, opposite the original farmhouse and other places. Mm. Yes. Um, so we, we, my father was adamant that we should increase the size of our holding down there. Mm. And uh, I was, I was uh, for that as well. I've owned the farm since 2013 outright myself. Um, since 2012, we've had an annual ram sale, so we we sell uh, Border Leicester rams to those people wanting to join rams, normally to Mar- cold merino use. So we have an annual sale in September. Um, last sale, as you said, Geordie, you had a bit of a look at
3: mm.
2: our rams. We're like any business; it progresses over a period of time, and you get a following. Sure, just like your podcast will get a following over a period of time, it will increase. Um, if it interests people, it'll get it, it'll, it'll be it'll be good. And we, our business down there has increased uh, because of the top quality rams that we buy and we breed from, but also the fact that we've done very well in the show ring. Mm. We've won three three titles down there at the Australian Sheep and Wool Show against the very best in the country. Very, very difficult to win. We've won three of them. Wow. We've won champion round at Sydney show seven times. The Royal Easter Show? Yeah, the Royal Easter Show in Sydney. Yeah. Seven times. We've won in Melbourne at Melbourne Royal. Um, so all and this bit... all
1: stemmed from just a weekender <laughs> down yeah, in the country. Yeah, this is all blowing up. <laughs> it's and, incredible.
2: And, and Diane continues to curse me for this on a regular basis, that this all started because... You wanted to go and buy a weekender, and all of a sudden it became a full-blown business. <laughs> that's but that, 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 thats typical me. Yeah. Turning something that's sort of a, a half, a half, sort of a half-egged idea into something that you know. Fair, Dinkum. Yeah, we go. Yeah, we either go hard. It's like your cricket. Yeah. You go hard yeah. and you do your very best. Yeah. And, uh, that's the way we did it down there. We, the kids love
0: going there yeah and that's i think you were about to touch on it before we change topic too and it was probably something you said that clicked with me it was something you enjoyed to do once you got to the farm it's like oh, i'm enjoying this and then you invest a bit of time and invest some sort of resources into it and like you just said you never know where it's going to take you in the next you know it could be 10 20 years later and you look back uh, and you go wow look what i've done!"
2: Look, yeah. look I, I, I... I look at the I look at Trevor Bayless in the nets with me bowling at him in 1991, mm. and he was he was on the verge of cracking it into the state side at that stage. He might have even been playing for New South Wales mm. in those times. I think he was in the state squad, but you know, you look at him 30 years later, yeah, and he was coaching the England side. Yeah, you just don't know what you you you, you blokes don't know what you guys are going to become either. You you, you know, you really don't know. Um, wisdom's a funny thing. Wisdom's only accrued by uh, a level of intelligence that allows you to take in the experiences that you have and keep them and use them in a, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, we did that with a farm. Yeah. You know, enjoyment. This bloke turns up with the nets down at Mount Annan because he enjoys it. You mm-hmm. can see him. Yeah, you know, he sees the kids coming along, his eyes light up. Yeah. Uh, I I turn up to the office. I walk around and see all my staff. They they want to be there. Yes, they'll have an argument or two with with anyone ringing up and being un, unreasonable or whatever. But they still love being it. Mm-hmm. Still, still love being there. It's like going to the farm. Um, to put up with driving four hundred kilometres by by myself and coming and going, coming and going, um, you know, fifteen twenty times a year, whatever it might be. I do it because of the enjoyment. Mm. You play cricket for Penrith because you yeah. enjoy it.
1: Yeah, spot on. What about um? I know you've touched on the the sheep side of things and the rams, but is there any sort of food uh, f- food produce that you guys have down on the yeah, farm? there? Yeah, we,
2: we have we crop. Mm. So we crop about four hundred acres at the moment. We've got oats in, mm. so that'll they'll be stripped or late November, early December.
1: That'll that'll um be good for our coffees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have. Oatmeal now. Uh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh,
2: we're Couple ton back for <laughs> uh, but yeah. Now we've got lupins. Yeah, yeah, lupins and, and oats in or, or sheep feed. How
1: does a How does the I suppose the kids' personality uh, be for, like formed compared to maybe some other kids that you notice because they have this agricultural background or this connection to sort of nature and things like that?
2: I never failed to, and I never fail to tell them what they've got is a gift. Sure. Mm. And it's not a gift just because of me, it's a gift because of generations and just doing the right thing and working really, really hard. But it's, you know, as I said, I came back to that decision my father made in 1979 and 1980 to leave, leave the courts and, and go into strata management. Mm. That, 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 one, that one decision has affected all of our lives and generationally, when I'm gone, lives in future. Mm. It allows us to operate out of tomorrow. It allows us to have the life that we have, but they do know that it's not going to be taken, you know, it's not easily taken. It, it, there's responsibilities that go with it. Elizabeth is is the keen one about the farm. Mm. She will take up agriculture. Mm. She's already winning, she's won major prizes for showing sheep and cattle already. Wow. Um, and she was, yeah, that was when she was under 14. So she's won in Sydney a couple of times, the handless competition. She takes sheep out into the ring. Um, yeah, she, she's very, very good at it. Christine is not far, not much far behind her either. They're in, they're in competitions. They enjoy it. Geoffrey yeah. likes his cricket and his footy. He'll take a sheep if he has to. <laughs> they one around. But apart from that, they, they're all good. Last weekend, for instance, I took the whole family down there and I said, "We've got to clean out the bottom of this shearing shed." Now, if you, if you know what that means, that means you've got to, for the last 15 years, remove all the manure and all the the compressed rubbish at the bottom of a shearing shed. Yeah, wow. Well. And that's hard work. Yeah. I needed you two blokes I mean, last yeah. week. I oh, where you blokes <laughs> work. Well, I needed you. Yeah. It's not finished anyway. Cricket you know. season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see that. Bring us in six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they just go down there. They yeah, enjoy well. hard work. Yeah. You know, we've got a couple of brood mares down there that we've bred from. The big, black like, gilding out the back here, that was something that we bred. Mm. Another one's on the track at the moment. So we we have a bit of fun with
1: the land. Let's we're mayb- very fortunate people. Yeah, or Maybe move away from two very successful businesses and talk about one that's just sort of starting. We'd love to know, Jeff, um, what you sort of saw in my peak, and or maybe us or Josh, and, and why you thought you had the initiative to maybe get on board with us and, and help us out with some funds early on. There was
2: only one word, decency. Mm. I thought you blokes were decent, and I thought that there was a benefit to both parties if you want to put on a business scale that's what i thought i thought we would get the exposure in an area that might interest uh, uh, that might cause interest to be taken uh, with regard to our firm but i thought that uh, having ambassadors like you would do us no harm whatsoever you're decent young blokes christian young blokes uh you do the right thing i could i could i could see the way that you were operating with those kids I down there at uh, the indoor centre when you had the coaching clinics and things happening down there. I could see what sort of attitude you had towards people. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't have to fossick into the background too much to work this you, work out. One thing that I probably don't, I, I don't like to, to pat myself on the back too much, but I can work out people pretty quick. Mm. Uh, and I said things to Cam yeah, went down the indoor cricket the center the day I met him. I said, it was a state of origin, was on, and I said, go Queensland. Mm-hmm. Now, I purposely said that. You get a raz out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, did. I thought, you know, he's bitten here. He's got <laughs> him. He's, he's got him. Him. <laughs> No, New South Wales will win by 40. I said, not a chance. <laughs> well, I was right. He was dead right. No, he was more right than I was. But I actually said it just to get a bite out of him. And just to get, just to work on his personality. He didn't realise that I was working him out. Oh, uh, yeah, like, he's got you. No,
0: nah, he's talking <sighs> doozies. Nah, he's all over you.
2: I was working him out. And uh, he was fantastic. He, he, he was good. He didn't blow up. He didn't think I was an idiot. I don't think he might have. He <laughs> you should have I... told me you went for
0: Penrith. It would have been a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I do go for Penrith. i, I, I Penrith and St. George too. But uh, no, I, I could see the decency. I didn't think it was an, an enormous investment. Mm. I thought it was... Uh, I could see the benefit, Jordan, you were giving my son, mm. coaching him, and I could see the benefit the firm could get out of it, mm. but uh, I, I could, you know, this is a saying that I say to my kids: good things come to good people. Mm. Well, you're, you blokes are good people. I'm a good person, and uh, that's what I relied upon. I relied upon my judgment that I thought well, we could get Independence' name amongst people that probably don't see it very often. Yeah. And uh, uh, if nothing comes of it, if no, if in, in, you, you don't know what comes of it. Mm. It's like meeting Kevin at the jewellery shop that he's there mm. working for me now. You don't know what comes of an idea. And I thought it was a good bet.
3: Mm.
2: I thought I thought that was good to get our name in front of people and uh, and, and start a conversation. You know, someone's going to ask you, Kemp, who are, they, who are our independent unit managers? Yeah. See that fellow over there? He owns that company, yeah. he does strata management right through, oh, my mum's got a unit somewhere. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my mum's got a unit, Jackarinda Avenue, Bradbury, mm. or Minto Heights or, you know, Gledswood or whatever. Oh, yeah, must tell them about that. Yeah. You don't know where it takes you. Mm. Definitely. And I just thought you were the right type of fellas to, to push the brand, and this is important. You can go on radio, you can go on TV, and you can push a particular way. But to have, to have our brand on you as decent people means a lot to me. Mm. I
1: appreciate that. Yeah. That's a pretty big rap coming from someone like you, Jeff. So maybe we'll sort of just, as we wrap up the podcast, touch on maybe some advice and some mentors that you have. But one thing I maybe want to ask you before we do that is what's sort of the biggest challenge that maybe you can think of off the top of your head that you've had in your career, um, whether it be with the farm or with independent unit management, and how did you sort of deal with that?
2: I think one of the biggest challenges that anyone faces is to come compartmentalise, and make sure that their 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 moral compass is always right. Mm. You see, when you're chasing a dollar, sometimes there's there's only one thought: get the dollar. Mm -hmm. There's more than that. It takes a while to work it out in your life, uh, and that only comes through maturity and wisdom. But yeah, you've got and, and. You've just got to understand that things don't always go well for you. Mm. But they will if you continue to work hard. Yeah. So, look, I just think that it's it's lovely to have the good things in life. But uh, I, I think there are difficult times. And there are difficult times in your life when you lose people. Mm. When you lose your father or you lose your mother or, you know, uh, other dreadful things happen in your life. But... Uh, I think you've just got to continue to have your moral compass and your integrity in place, always. Mm. Not always easy, but always just try and back the integrity of your the integrity of, your, of the person. You don't want to go. You don't want to get into a situation where five or ten or twenty years down the track, oh, geez, I wish I hadn't done that.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: I don't think I should have done that. Oh, you know. I, I often talk to my wife about these sorts of things, and I think it's very important. A problem shared is a problem solved. Mm. If you've got a problem, Jordan, I want you to come to me or go to Cam or go to go to, to Leah, or, or your dad, the people that are closest to you to help solve the problem. Because sometimes you just can't. Mm-hmm. That's very true. And Cam out there in the middle of the field, trying to get this bloke out that's 140, and looks like <laughs> he's about to go to 150 and take the game away from the Panthers... You know, he, he, he should be, he, he no doubt, will be chirping to these people in the slips or, you know, you know talking to talking to you and saying, well, how are we gonna get this bloke out? What are we mm. gonna do with you? What yeah. ideas have you got? I think it's really important. You asked about mentors. A couple of mentors have said, good things come to good people. Another one said, a problem shared is a problem solved. And good things come to good people, problem solved. Um, but but, but it's, it's really important, I reckon, as a person, that you maintain integrity. Mm. We're not all perfect. Mm. We all make mistakes and we all do wrong things. Thankfully, we'll be forgiven for that mm. if we share the right views.
1: Is there anything that you can um, yeah, mention that you might have regretted in your life so far? Like obviously, things do happen for a reason, I'm sure we share that view, but is there anything you can think back to and go, yeah, I'll, I'll probably bugger that one up? Oh, no, do you?
2: Oh, no, yeah, on a, on a business level, yeah, I, I think that certainly, from a from a business perspective, when things are going sour with a particular management, uh, you you know you you know the thing's slipping by you, um, and uh, you know no matter what you do, you can't sort of get, get them, you can't talk them around. Mm. Um, so that that's always a concern. Um, uh, I go to bed every night and I sleep well because I know that I've tried my hardest. Yeah, mm, absolutely. And I know that I've done wrong things and I know that no one in this room hasn't done wrong things.
3: Mm, absolutely.
2: But, you know, I think we just try to uh, you know, do the best we can. The, the effort's important, I think.
3: Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's awesome. Probably just before we wrap it up, Jeff, what does sort of the next five or 10 years look for you and your family and your business and mm. what are your plans and goals going forward?
2: Going forward, I want to grow independent as much as I can. Yeah, I need some decent staff to come into the business, I'll have some people coming out of it because they're retiring in the next couple of years, I've got some older people there, but uh, it will be absolutely fantastic for the place, but they'll, they'll end up retiring. Yeah. I'll need some new staff coming through, hopefully we'll expand expanded. We need it to keep running. Mm. Independent unit management provides us with the lifestyle that we we've got. Yeah. Right. Um, the farm doesn't, but that does. So you know, we would like that to continue. As I said, um, we hope to continue to be, acquire other firms in the process. We've, we'll be looking at acquisitions in that regard as they might come up, as they might become available to us. The farm, it'll you know, it, we, we, I'd like to grow that as well, but. I'm a bit landlocked down there Mm. at the moment there's some substantial people around the place that have got substantial holdings and they're not going to let go real easy Mm. generational farmers but uh, that's okay you can't be everywhere what i found Cam you can't be everywhere Mm. you you do your best and and, and your best is just going to as my father would say your best is just going to have to be good enough if you put the effort in and your best is your best that's it Mm. you know if you get our first ball well, it's not because you haven't tried. No. Mm, that's right. You know, and, and make sure that you praise the people that have put in the effort because that's really important. Mm-hmm.
1: I suppose the way we always finish the podcast and something that you're probably very good at, Jeffrey, is we like to just have a quick chat about things we're grateful for. I'll sort of rattle off three, Cam will rattle off three, and then we'll finish with the guest, obviously. So I suppose uh, I'll start with cricket season coming up. It's been a long time waiting, and Cam can use that one if he wants. Um, I'm absolutely awesome. pumped for that. We've got a trial match this weekend against hey, yeah. Campbelltown up here at Raby. Right. Be so to watch <laughs> Yeah, that'll be awesome. Uh, my second one's actually Talia. Um, she's been really mm. helping me with things, um, business side of things, just being more aware of how to reach people and strategy. She's really switched on with that stuff, so that's been awesome. And then the last one, it was probably just chatting with like-minded people like you, Jeff, around spirituality. And I really like seeing guys like you who have obviously been there and done some of those things that we wish to achieve. Um, and you're very much praising not just yourself or your family, but the gifts that God's sort of given you. So, yeah, that's really inspiring for me. Yeah, nice, brown dog.
0: You stole my first one, but I'm going to say it anyway because I am very grateful, and we've been waiting a long time that cricket season's rolling around. So when this goes to air, we've probably already played our trial, and we'll be prepping up for round one the following Saturday. So super grateful for cricket season to come around. The second one is our veggie garden in the backyard of Gledswood Hills. It's just sprouted its first little uh, wings and (laughs) popping up. So probably still a while from any fruit growing, but very grateful to see that. It took probably a few days longer and I was on Brownie's back saying it's not coming through. But um, yeah, it's very grateful for that. And the last one is my peak. So last week uh, we kicked off, or this week actually, we kicked off our first face-to-face session. So... It's been a long time coming. We started the business almost six months ago and we only just kicked off our first session. So very grateful that we could finally get started on the face-to-face stuff.
2: Mm. Yeah. Well, the three from me would definitely be my mother and father. Mm. Uh, I think that, uh, uh, not in any, in any particular order, um, but mum and dad, obviously, they've given us so much. and uh, But... Uh, yeah, they, they would be Diane, of course, and the family. Um, I think spiritually, I think coming back, coming back to that, I mean, mm. I've heard you talk before, Jordan, how how spiritual how, how your spiritual spirituality is very important to you. Mm. I've, I've heard you, I've actually heard you refer to it as number one in, in the past. Mm. Yeah, it's really important. Um, but yeah, look, the mentors, uh, the spirituality. Uh, my dear wife mm. who, who you know supports everything i do and i mean everything i do um, because i'm not an easy person to live with <laughs> insofar I mean, as i i i drive her crazy because i am really uh driven mm. and um but yeah and no, definitely mum and dad diane the kids I mean, I could rattle off 10 or 12, not a problem. <laughs> but I thought I, you'd I, be good at this one. Yeah. <laughs> you would be, yeah, I know. And you don't want to cut this off, so that's yeah. fair enough too. <laughs> but I'm grateful to my peak right now as well, mm. uh, just for Jeffrey's, just for Jeffrey's um, maturity mm. and uh, what he'll learn from that. But no, I'm grateful for you blokes to come and talk to me. Mm. Boring bloke like, like me, getting spoken to on a mm, podcast. Yeah. Thanks again.
1: Yeah, well, as we just touch on an hour here, um, thanks so much for inviting us into your home, Jeff. Lovely place here, and um, yeah, we're very lucky to be able to talk to someone with the life lessons that you can share. And hopefully, the the listeners take some of those things on board because I'm sure if they turn out half of the man you are, then they'll be pretty successful. So thanks again for joining us today. My pleasure. Yeah, thanks thanks Jeff. for having
0: me. And that's a wrap for today's episode on the Cam and George podcast. As always, we hope you leave today's episode feeling a little more inspired,
1: motivated and with a deeper understanding on holistic health and the importance it plays in your life. We love seeing the Cam and Joy community grow and are very grateful for your support in doing so. As we implement our holistic strategies to enhance your balanced lifestyle, we would love to share the experience with you. That could be gym work, yoga, going for a run, an awesome new recipe, starting a new business, work progression, your meditation stations, going to church or a connect group, or just spending time with friends and family. We love seeing your stories and would love to share it amongst the community. Also, stay
0: tuned for the upcoming Cam and George store, where merchandise, self-development resources and courses will be available, plus access to gurus in the holistic space. We look forward to sharing with you shortly.
1: Finally, if you have anyone who you think story needs to be heard, be sure to personal message us so we can get that person on our podcast and share their story with our listeners. Until next time, folks, on the Cam and Jordan podcast.